0: You know it was like two and a half weeks on the road with just me in my mind thinking about how i was a failure as a filmmaker
1: welcome to push in the cinevic podcast i'm your host joyce klein coming to you from the unceded territory of the lekwungen speaking peoples otherwise known as beautiful victoria british columbia canada if ever there was a filmmaker whose work challenges the notion of what a documentary can be its filmmaker, educator, and media innovator, Morgan Reese Tams. Morgan has created everything from site-specific, interactive installations, and community-based interventions, often in some of the world's most challenging locations, to Killers Crossing, a Pacific Northwestern, his music video style, Western rock and roll opera. He has received grants from Canada Council, BC Arts Council, National Film Board, and taught in partnership with the National Film Board, City of Victoria, Vancouver Olympic Organizing Committee, and prestigious Hot Docs Film Festival, to name just a few. Now his autobiographical short documentary, Dear Mr. Dudley, will be featured in Cinevix's Members Showcase in this year's Victoria Film Festival. Hi, Morgan. Welcome to Push In.
0: Hi, Joyce. How you doing? Scene one.
1: Can you start with a quickie description of Dear Mr. Dudley?
0: Dear Mr. Dudley is a 13-minute-long experimental documentary that chronicles the genesis of uh, my relationship with my estranged father, whom wasn't really in my life at all until I was about 31 years of age. And so it explores how we came to know one another while I was living in Victoria, B.C., and he lives in Prince Edward Island, and so looks at these uh, notions of time and distance in space, both in a literal and a metaphoric sense.
1: Scene two. What kind of process did you have to go through to get him to agree to it?
0: It took a really long time. I would think probably from concept to completion, you know, even though it's a short documentary, it was probably about five years. And the big thing for me is to put trust at the forefront of these kinds of projects of of any kind of documentary project really right relationship building and trust and so you know even though i had the idea for the film i put it on the back burner for a couple of years while i just leaned into getting to know him and building up that relationship and then when i started applying for funds for the film i'd talk to him about it and you know hey what do you think about an idea of doing a a movie about us and our story and he, you know, come back like, well, oh, I don't know, you know, and he's an old timer. He doesn't really understand media in the sense that I think younger generations do or or media makers do. So, you know, I just kind of kept coming back to it, not pushing too hard. And, you know, it got to the point of like, well, dad, I'm going to come out to see you you know, and I think I'm going to drive and, and, uh, I'd I'd love to work on this movie idea. What do you think? And yeah, okay. That, that sounds good. eh? And, and, you know, so it was very gradual acceptance. And so we hit the road, my partner Carly and I, we drove out from BC all the way to PEI and shot along the way. And we got there, we got to PEI and, uh, you know, just had a lovely reunion and spent a lot of time with my dad. But, you know, every day I would kind of lean into this and say, you know, dad, I would love to, uh, to do a little bit of recording with you for this movie. What do you think? And, you know, oh, I'm not up for it today. I'm like, okay, that's no problem. And, you know, and that went on for better part of a week. Same thing, day after day. And, you know, any any seasoned documentary maker has, has been down this road before, and, and you have to kind of walk that line of, of gently pushing because you're on a deadline and, you know, you've got other people's money, in this case, Arts Council money tied into the project and all that kind of stuff, so there are very real stakes. But at the same time, there are very real emotional and interpersonal stakes. And for me, I never wanted to burn those bridges. You know, my relationship with my dad is the most important thing. First and foremost, this, this movie is completely secondary. And so that first trip to PEI, I left without getting those crucial interviews and those crucial bits of tape of him and I reading our letters. It just didn't happen. He just wasn't ready. And that was actually quite challenging for me and so i drove all the way home from pei back to back to bc uh on my own and just stewed the whole time you know it was like two and a half weeks on the road with just me in my mind thinking about how i was a failure as a filmmaker how i didn't pull it together how i jeopardized my relationship with my father you know how deep we can go into our own heads for better or for worse at times But I got home and I started, you know, I got the rushes all processed and started cutting and thinking about how I could put it all together. And the following fall, I went out to PEI again and the same thing, talked about, you know, Dad, this movie's really coming together and it looks really beautiful and it's got this whole cross-country journey metaphor going on. But I really wanted to sort of talk to you about the genesis of us us meeting and how that felt. And again, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I think we could do that. So I flew out to PEI, same thing, called him up you know, day one or whatever, so what do you think about getting together and, and doing these interviews, oh, I'm not feeling so good today, day two, oh, I got to go down to the doctor, I'm not so sure, exact same thing happened last day, I just had to kind of bite it and say, dad, I know this is really awkward and I know you don't really want to do this, um, but let's just sit down and let's just talk let's just talk and so we did that and we and we just talked openly about this without rolling any tape or anything and I explained a bit about the movie and why this was important and why I thought it was interesting to share and uh, finally he consented and so I was able to mic him up and then you know I have about three hours of us just talking about our experiences of getting to know one another and some of the backstory of his relationship with my mother and all those kinds of things and then I got him to read his letters and I read my letters and It turned into a really really beautiful evening and uh i mean i will keep those tapes forever and and, and cherish those but uh it was definitely a challenge to get him to come on board and even when the movie was finished you know he he liked it but he still has quite a hard time and and this kind of breaks my heart he still has a hard time thinking about other people seeing it um he, he carries a lot of shame around how i was treated when i was a baby or how he treated my mother and even though we've talked about that between us, it's still hard for him to let go. And, and I really think, and I've told him this numerous times, that the process of making this movie is a process of healing, right? It's a process of letting go and coming to terms with difficult things. And I think that's what's so wonderful about art and art making, is we can work through complex emotions through art. And um, I hope that gradually he will come to see the value in collaborating with me on this piece. Scene three.
1: How did it feel to create what are almost home movies that you never actually had with your dad?
0: That was one of the real sort of aesthetic cornerstones of the piece was this ideas of nostalgia, of home movies, of memories that didn't existed, And, you know, the big question of how do you establish a relationship, particularly like a quote unquote father son relationship with somebody you've never known? And it's taken my dad, you know, that was 10 years ago that I first got in touch with him. So it's taken us 10 years to really have a real relationship, a trusting relationship, and making the film was a big part of that. And so I knew early on I wanted to tap into those ideas of nostalgia, faded photos in a family album, that kind of thing. And also just the idea of Super 8 and the imperfections of the analog medium in terms of grain and scratches uh, really remind me of the act of writing a letter of ink drips on a page, of of tears and crumples of paper, fingerprints in the ink, all that kind of stuff really reflects the medium of the film. And again, coming back to what I said in that previous question about about it really being a formalist documentary and really leaning into the film as medium as much as I'm leaning into the story. So there was that. I do also want to say uh, that I'm sure there are many cinematographers out there that are kind of cringing as they watch the film, because it's particularly grainy. And I didn't shoot on a technical level. I didn't shoot on a really grainy stock. But what happened was we shot this in the summer of 2018, which if for the listeners, if they remember, it was scorching hot in BC that whole summer. There was forest fires everywhere. We were driving in this 1990 Dodge van, no air conditioning, you know, and I had 40 cartridges of Super 8 or something just sweltering in the back of the van. And so that film definitely got cooked pretty good. And so that's why the film itself is a lot grainier and a lot more faded than fresh stock should look. It wasn't a look that I went for on purpose, but I think the sort of dreaminess of it suits the film. Tail Slate.
1: Wow, well, thanks, Morgan. Your work is super interesting, and we're grateful that you were able to share with us today.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me, Joyce. It's been really nice to be here and to be able to talk about some of my work.
1: And that's a wrap. You can find links to Morgan, Killer's Crossing, and Dear Mr. Dudley in the show notes. And you can help promote the talented filmmakers we feature by liking, subscribing, or five-star rating us so others can find their interviews more easily. That's it for now. Join me, your host, Joyce Klein, for the next episode of Push In, the Cinevic Podcast.